0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the feed this morning. This is Household and Homestead. I'm Pastor Stewart. This is Pastor Brandon. Good to What's be with guys? you guys here on the Facebook Live. Uh, maybe you're listening to this in podcast form and you didn't even know we do Facebook Live, but we do every Wednesday. No, Tuesday, Tuesday at, 11. <laughs> at 11, 11 o'clock. That's right. Tuesday at 11, we got Household and Homestead. Wednesday at 11, we've got. God and government to talk through mm-hmm. things. Today we're getting a little into uh, some cool, like intertwiny things between those two topics, but we'll we'll yeah, get, there in, yeah. a bit. We'll we get there in a little bit. We need folks
1: to know who this uh, individual sitting in the corner is. Oh, the He's one who, off
0: camera. Off camera, uh, Magamat is with us. Producer Mag-a-Matt, Matt, <laughs> the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention. He's the one that makes us look good. He Actually, pulls the strings, literally. Like he <laughs> he set up lights for us today so that we're properly. Prague rock so. wizard. Fantastic. Prague <laughs> rock wizard. Nice. Oh, snap. Oh, man. Ooh. But anyway, it's good to be with you guys. Um, Aaron Vaughn said he has audio problems, but he fixed it. Good job, Aaron. Way to go, buddy. Man,
1: we can't send Maga Matt to everyone's house to get their <laughs> to technology get it, get set up. up. We need
0: him here. That's Committed right. to the cause. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, man, so what's been up with you lately? Y'all got anything cool going on during...
1: uh, Now the quarantine's kind of waning, I would say. Oh, as far as the homestead, stuff has been happening. You dehorned cattle. Got the cows dehorned. You know, last night we had some folks over at the house. Okay. We have finally restructured our home a little bit, tore some walls down, moved up the architecture to be able to do hospitality better. Ooh. um, Because it was terrible before. (laughs) Um, All right. But... It never fails. We have folks over at the house, something's going to happen, crazy. Okay. Okay, so we have a swarm of bees land in a tree nearby us. Okay. Okay, it's our bees, more than likely. And
0: bees swarm, that's normal.
1: Yeah, and we kind of messed up. We we delayed adding a super, which we don't have to go into all that, but we delayed it, then it rained, and they, well, I, I suit up, my son suits up, the families are watching. I got a, a buddy, he's watching, I'm like, come on, you know. Come on over here. You can watch. It's just a swarm. No, no worries. Oh, no. We go. We get that no box. Worries. We knock the swarm in. It's an easy one. It's like hanging on the end of a branch. So easy to catch. Okay. They normally just fall right in. Okay. They fall. There's a comb of wax and pollen okay. right there hanging on the tree branch. Oh, my god. So that's a different level. That, you see, bees are only mad when they have something to defend. When it's a swarm, oh, it, you know, when, when it's a swarm, they're not mad. Okay, they're kind of full on on honey, and they're looking to find another home. You can catch them easy. Yeah. But when they have a, a honey, and brood, and eggs, you know and that, and I, I knocked those those bees down in that box, and Jude and I looked at each other, and we're like, "Guys, we're gonna need you to back up." <laughs> like my heart started thumping. I was like, "This, this was a new territory. I I've never transferred a hive." From the wild. I've, I've moved them from box to box. Yeah. You know, okay. within controlled... Um, with you the, with smoke them
0: and stuff. Yeah, and, and you move the frames, or, yeah.
1: but pulling one out of a tree, next level. I, I'm not ready for that. Oh, snap. So that was exciting. How many times did you get stung? None, actually. Really? So the question is whether or not we got the queen in the box. If we, could, if we got the queen in the box, we might have another hive. Okay. If we didn't get the queen in the box, we might have just... Um, you know, cause a bigger problem or kill the hive. So
0: mm. we'll see. So there's only one queen, just a queen mm-hmm. in the whole hive.
1: Yeah. I and mean, they can produce another one if there's a uh, queen cells and things like that. Do they
0: like fight? Do the queens fight each other?
1: No, but they'll, the one will go off with a swarm and then they'll create another one. But, huh. uh, these sorts of questions are the things I ask my son. Okay. Like that's, I mean, I don't know <laughs> He's what's expert. going on in his brain. I'm, I'm not even trying to be like a weird doting father. <laughs> We're out there and I'm like, Jude, there's honey and comb and he's like it's pollen dad i'm like it's pollen I and mean, it looks like honey he's like it's pollen it's pollen i was like okay moving on so he's like <laughs> he's he just knows all these things i was like did we catch the i don't know if we caught the queen and he's like i'm pretty sure we caught the queen notice the waggle dance and they're all because they they dance and they point to the queen he's like they're all pointing right in that corner i think it's down there in that corner i can't see anything <laughs> It's dusk. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I hope we got the notice queen. the waggle dance. But he's he's read That's so fantastic. many books, yeah. That once he gets that practical experience, that hands-on it. experience, he could be a really good. Um, he could be a bee. I think I could only ever be a bee killer, like a bee mm. haver, until okay. I become, and then they just die eventually. He yeah. might actually become a beekeeper. That was where like, you keep them. Yeah. So <laughs> I
0: had a black thumb for a long time. But now I don't kill plants anymore. Most of the time, which yeah. is exciting.
1: So that's Just one exciting thing. I'll share the next one. We got had a co- had a coyote visit,
0: dude.
1: You Lot got him. Of dead birds, lots of dead birds oh, no. all over the field. Oh, it was no. a, quite quite a uh, incident. Did anybody make it? We have a few that made it. Not many, oh. but we've had a, a decimation. So I've got a trap. We've got some plans, but we'll see. We'll see how that. Transpires coyotes are next
0: week very hard to trap. Like Uh, if you can trap a coyote, that's that's high level stuff, right? There, they're smart.
1: They are smart. I got a trap. I got a live chicken in the trap. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, you got a box (laughs) trap? Yeah, but I'm not. I don't think I'll catch one. But we'll see. So I've seen
0: coyote traps before. Like you have to set them up in such a way that they're actually buried under the ground, Hmm. and they. But the problem is, like foot traps. Right. Yeah. Um, any dog, anybody rowdy, is also susceptible to or those cow. traps. Yeah. So heads up. We'll see. Maybe Ooh. next week
1: I'll have a great story. I'm excited. Some video footage. I look forward to it. If you get experience in trapping
0: mauled. coyotes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to come to my house. Ooh, they, we have there we them go.
0: Everywhere at the new place.
1: Everywhere. Yeah, all right. Well, welcome to household homestead. Yeah, man. Where so the fun never stops. Started a new
0: series at church. It's going well. You know, we haven't started at our location yet. We're a week behind Just you guys. getting ramped
1: up. One yeah. one sermon in. Really okay. just the introduction on this new sermon series. So
0: where are, we, where are we going for the next couple? What are the goals? How are we, how are we planning on getting there over the next couple of weeks?
1: You know, well, this, this sermon series, and, and shout out to all the Christ Church folks watching this and um, taking advantage of this extra equipping. But it's about the church engaging in poverty ministry. The church engaging in welfare. Oh, um, so you a It's our prayer to get the government out, get the family, <laughs> the neighborhood, and the church back in. Mm. Um, now, that, it's an ideal. It's a prayer. But mm-hmm. it's also a goal, something we work for. And uh, we work with future generations in mind. Right. Know, we, we're laying foundations. When the foundations are destroyed, what do the righteous do? Well, they rebuild. And that's where we're at with this. That's awesome. So this is all about rebuilding. Um, re, re, uh, rebuilding that breach in the wall. You know, repaving the roads. And so uh, we'll see what the next generation takes it. But we want to at least lay the theological framework for biblical Mm -hmm. poverty relief, biblical poverty ministries, so that we don't make the same mistakes um, that the modern day war on poverty has made. Mm. That we don't create the disasters that are out there right now, now on account a, of government welfare.
0: There's going to be a lot of people listening to this that just hear the words poverty relief or welfare or, or Christians being concerned about things like that, and they're going to immediately place us in the left camp. They're going to be like, oh, so you guys are Democrats, socialists, you know, yeah. whatever you want to call No one
1: it. actually in the left would ever make that mistake. But it, <laughs> it is a mistake that um, people who think they're conservative or whatnot well, might a- be prone to say, we're not virtue signaling here. We no. believe in all in Christ and all of life, and the Bible has a lot to say about care for the poor. Mm. It is good, the gospel is good news to the poor. Amen. Mary Amen. announced when, at the birth of the Messiah that he has filled the hungry. She recognized that the coming of the kingdom of heaven signaled good news for the souls of men and the stomachs of men. It's not a dichotomy. It's not something to keep in balance. Mm-hmm. Um, it is all a part of the covenantal promises that come to us through the new covenant in Jesus Christ, mm. um, it's it's not socialism, right? Um, it's not prosperity gospel. Right. What it is is applying historic Calvinistic theology, mm. also known as covenant theology, to the work of the church. That's right. what it is. If somebody wants to Google that, you know, good luck with that. Um, but this is historic Christianity, Calvinistic theology, covenant theology, as it applies to the kingdom of heaven the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm. and it's a good news for all of life. Mm-hmm. Not just the souls of men like good little Gnostics, you know, not just the prayer closet, but the whole town and the whole world. Joy to the prayer closet and the private internal parts of my soul and my <laughs> emotions. No, joy to the world. And we can sing that and know what in the world it means. And so, oh, so much to say. But we want in this, go- this gospel sermon series for everyone to realize that the gospel is good news to the poor and that the church is one of the means and the family is one of the means and individual citizens and neighbors are the means that God uses to carry out those blessings of the covenant, now, I to notice bless you did, neighbors. You did
0: not say the state.
1: No. The, we'll get to that tomorrow when we consider the government and the poor, mm-hmm. but you don't want the minister of justice holding the sword to also be holding the bread. And collecting the charitable donations. (laughs) When you are handing over, quote, charitable donations at the point of a sword, it no longer is um, community building. It's community divisive. Mm. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But today, I want to focus on the family. Okay. What role does the family have in ministry to the poor? Family, household. Household Christian family, yeah, and some of our listeners might have some great ideas. We're going to mention a few. What could a family do? And don't get me wrong, families are already doing this. Millions are cared for by families. Sure, families are taking care of millions and millions of people. Right. It just—it's a hidden life. It goes—it's off the radar. Um, but families are already doing this. But families—if they didn't have so much of their money stolen from them could really ramp it up.
0: Hmm. You know,
1: if they weren't marginalized and mischaracterized and completely um, pillaged, they would be able to ramp up this welfare ministry even further. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. to talk about families and households and their engagement um, toward the poor. Okay. So I got That's a good. quote for us from Mary Pride. She says, When I was young, even though TV had exploded into every house, parents still told their sons and daughters that charity began at home. Those were the days before the Great Society and the War on Poverty. It's Lyndon B. Johnson, 1964. Mm -hmm. Before all of that, before it was discovered that charity begins in Washington. Mm -hmm. See, there is a Lord who provides for the poor. He rules over this world by a covenant. He announces blessings and curses. And the coming of the Messiah means good news to the poor. It's going to be a great reversal. No longer would the wicked rule this world. He, mm. would, he would stand up for the rights of victims, for um, the rights of the poor, for homes for the homeless. All these concepts that liberals have, mm-hmm. they borrowed that from Jesus. Mm. It is, progressivism, Marxism is a version of Christianity. It's a heresy of Christianity. They've kind of co-opted that, take the atonement out, you know. take hell out, take mm. soul out. But the church has always been about this. The, um, Jesus has always been about this. He is the Lord who provides. He is the one who gives, uh, you know, turns the fishes and the loaves to thousands for the poor, hmm. not the state government, not the civil government. Right. Um, and so we're trying to reverse that. No other institution, here's my thesis for this show no other institution, agency, or program can care for the poor and the afflicted as effectually and as securely as the family. The family is most equipped by God and most positioned by God to do the best job. I can't and wait welfare. for you to get into that. Like we got I've, to talk about it. Yeah, I've got
0: some. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's
1: it's not going it. to be easy, though, right? Families destroyed these days. Foundations of the family are destroyed. And hmm. you know, even in the best of Christian families, sometimes children grow up with no sense of identity in their family. Hmm. They'll move across the country for a slightly higher uh, pay raise hmm. with no thought of it. Um, just the family's just disintegrated. Um but we've got to rebuild. So here's some ways and maybe our folks listen and have some ideas. What are some ways that families could minister to the poor? Let's just think of some examples and talk right. about it. Chop it up.
0: One of the coolest things that so the new house that we have right now yep. has a garage apartment. <coughs> and I'm super excited about that. Nice. Because we're like we've already made plans so there's some family members of ours that are probably going to be coming and staying with us for a little while because they need another spot while they're transitioning to a new house. Temporary housing. My family, my there parents are getting older, you know, whenever they would be interested in something like that. They'd have a place to be able to stay. A lot of folks have asked us, are you planning on, you know, renting it out and getting some secondary income?
1: Mm-hmm. And we haven't really, um, not really, it you could, know. It could be just, affordable housing for uh, working poor. It could be. It could be assisted living for the elderly or yeah. the widowed. Or it could be temporary housing for someone who, is, who needs hospitality yeah. who's uh, you know, temporarily homeless right. right so many options so i 'm using those words to show you that that 's what the state does. we could do it too
0: hmm.
1: you could do it too now would you think you could do it better than um, you know uh, projects <laughs> government run projects uh, yes like what would some of, uh, yes. what would be some of the things that you might be able to to do better so than they, a bureaucratically run um, State projects. So the easiest thing is I would actually know a person. You would know them, that's right. And
0: know what they would actually need and how they're doing and be able to provide not just relationship, but the the things that come from relationship. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday on the Bible study as well. Like when you know someone, you get to know what their needs actually are and you get to know how they tick and what the best way is that you can come in and be a part of their life and how to help them, how to really help them. Not just throw more money at the problem and say, this is going to fix it eventually.
1: Would you be able to hold them more accountable, perhaps? Absolutely. Now, how about this? Since the Bible teaches us that wealth comes from work, and that there is no wealth that does not come from work, there is no, like, just conjured up wealth. Mm -hmm. Only God creates out of nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Man has to work in order that God might bless them. That's one of the blessings of the covenant, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So as Christians engage in welfare, we always keep it tied to work and Mm. to the dignity of work as a fundamental um, um, issue of what it means to be a human. Mm. You take away someone's ability to work, um, you are taking away their humanity. Mm. I mean, you're stripping them of dignity. You're taking from them the right to work with their own two hands and to provide and to contribute themselves in this great act of generosity. Mm. Um, Mm. That's what progressivism does. That's what bureaucratic charity by the sword does. Mm. But in your situation, you'd be there to say, oh, well, you know, I know someone that has a job that's available here. How about an internship? How about an apprenticeship? Mm -hmm. How about let's go take a look at the job board? You would also be able to see if they're filled with sloth, Mm. um, alcoholism, Mm -hmm. drug abuse, which is rampant on state welfare. Mm -hmm. And you'd be able to say, no, I can't help you in these ways. I can't continue to enable you in this way and destroy you in this way. Right. You'd be able face-to-face to to give loving relationship, Mm -hmm. empowerment, right, job placement, all of the things. And you'd be able to do it well on a human scale. Right, They'd be able to keep dignity. They'd be able to keep their humanity, and so would you. And now in this act of charity, what it actually does, when done well as unto the Lord, creates a unity between you and this poor person. Mm. Mm-hmm. As opposed to your neighbor coming and stealing your money and giving it to them in exchange for votes, like a mob boss. Right. Now, does that create neighborliness? Does that create hashtag community? No, that destroys community. That's what creates ghettos and gated communities. Hmm. That's what divides the world, is the fact that um, charity is being forced at the edge of a sword. You'd be able to do this way better. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if you had some of that tax money back. You know? <laughs> I think it's like 55% of our taxes go to various government welfare subsidies and whatnot. Mm. And I'm not talking just for individuals. Corporate welfare as well, which is just as evil. Mm. right? All the various forms of welfare. Nowadays, you've got church welfare. Um, yeah. Churches <laughs> on welfare and various uh, subsidies and coming the from the state taxes are coming government. right behind it, I'm just sure. Just imagine if you didn't have... Amen. Just imagine if you had all that cash back.
0: There hmm. would be a lot more that you could do. Check this out.
1: Let's take it to the next level.
0: Okay, I'm in. Let's go. How
1: about you and the rest of your neighbors love the Lord, and you're like, you know what? What I can do, we could do better, you know? Uh, how about this? Better together. That's, a, that's the new slogan these days in the coronavirus. Okay. You know, we okay. could can, we, we can do better together, something like that. What if you and the family said, you know what? we got a problem in our in our town, in our neighborhood here. We've got some folks who need jobs. They need a place to live. These are hardworking people. They love the Lord, All right? Let's make a covenant together. Let's charter together as families. So now you have families joining with families. Still families, no swords involved,
0: right? Okay, right. Just
1: um, covenants. Okay. It's under the Lord, men, men to men, face to face. Let's put our resources together. You have these gifts. I have these gifts. You have this resource. I have this resource. You have a facility, but I have time, you know? Mm-hmm. And together, just imagine what you could do as it comes to providing low-income housing, hmm. as, it, as it comes to providing job placement, are all the many ways you could innovate to care for the poor. Hmm. What does this require, though, deep down in the hearts of neighbors? You could see why I always say this all depends on regeneration, reformation, right. virtues right. inside the heart of men, self-government. Hmm. If the neighbors are all selfish godless, greedy for everybody else's money themselves, Right. we're done. We're done. But if there would be revival, if the Spirit of the Lord would break out in the land where hearts were being regenerated, we, the church, need to be able to tell them, this is how you can do it. We have to be able to equip them, the saints, for the work of the ministry, Mm. including the ministry of the poor. Mm. That's one of the reasons that we have this show here. I, like I want to be it. ready for revival, man. Right. I want to be, even if it's just the families in Christ Church or their children. Imagine if your church comes on board and you have now you have like a hundred families hmm. covenanting together. Right. You know, with the church's resources and, and maybe their office uh, secretaries and maybe their, you know, online platforms. And you have all the teachers who are studying all day to know how the scriptures guide us in these things so that it can stay on a firm foundation right. and not become secularists like most parachurch ministries. Right. Like you have all these things working together. Wow. Just imagine what we could do. Any other ideas? How about you, Matt? Got some. What could a family do? Or maybe we've got some ideas here in the comments.
0: Not yet. Not yet Not
1: yet Are they scared? Uh,
0: maybe Maybe <laughs> Don't no, be afraid I think they're you good. guys This is a safe place
1: What do they call that? Safe space? This <laughs> is a safe space That's right <laughs> This is. That's right Okay we got some other ideas I have some I've written down Go what you um, get? It's sharing time How about neighborhood food co-ops That's trendy these days Yeah That's good It's good Neighborhood they, gardens What do
0: they do? They like give
1: food to the poor You're talking about? It's like a grocery store kind of? Uh, I suppose the neighbors covet it together in some way. They share resources, they share time, and they work together on this and, and, and cr- produce crops for everyone. Anybody who knows how to garden knows you end up having way more cucumbers than you really would like to eat. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, right? we have uh, satsuma <laughs> trees in the yard, and I think we only have two of them. Yeah, like what are we going do But we, we, we
1: do still, with that? Ha- like, th- dozens and dozens right. fall to rot. But if you have a, a local food market, local co-ops... Um, Hmm. local gardens, things like that, now you can come together and meet needs that you might not be able to meet all by yourself. Right, right. I mean, think of the old small town, okay? Okay. Um, Agrarian society, before everyone rushed off to the cities because the state had overtaxed the family farms and run them out of business, Hmm. right? Before that, when there were still family farms and they were sort of like the integral core of society, They all came together. They shared farming equipment. They shared a common mill. They shared common um, wells. I mean, if you go back even Mm. further, everything was held not like in a socialistic commune, Mm -hmm. but it was a covenant within a town that this is our town's well, or this is our town's mill. This is our town's smith. And everyone kind of mutually depended on each other. Mm -hmm. They would all come, like, even in World War II times, the, the, even the Nazis sent their soldiers home to help in the harvest because the, the little towns, the agrarian towns, had to have men to come together and pr- bring in the harvest. Mm. They, they would work together, they would do all of these things together. They mutually depended on each other. Right? This vision could be alive once again in our world. Yes. Not everything has to be collectivized and run by central planners. We could have localism again, and Mm. localism in welfare. Communities that depend on each other. It's such an interesting thing, because I was was thinking about this not too long ago, the
0: idea that if you look at any given neighborhood, every single house in that neighborhood owns a lawnmower. Uh, This is a super simple illustration, but I think it kind of hits the same point. I feel like we could do better.
1: Yeah, Yeah, i thought this
0: too. Why do we have 500 lawnmowers within one square mile of each other? We only need 10. You You want me to tell you why? Why? Because
1: people break their contracts. Because, because the hearts of men have grown cold and stiff-necked. And when men don't trust each other, because men break contracts and don't keep their word mm-hmm. and can't be trusted to depend on one another, we can't work together as much. Mm. Contracts can't be signed and risks can't be taken. Innovations get held back. Mm. When, mm-hmm. when men in their hearts are spiritual covenant breakers with God, they become covenant breakers one with another. Hmm. The reason why a neighborhood couldn't say to one guy, okay, you're going to cut all our grass, we're going to do this for you, and we're going to do this for you, and I'm going to do this for you. Let's write it all down, let's sign this covenant. It's a charter. That used to be how towns worked. Hmm. Townships, like commonwealths, they had charters and covenants that worked together. Can't do that today because nobody would be able to trust that the other person would do it right. How many times have you written a contract trying to partner with someone else And they changed the terms of it in the middle of the service. Yeah. Or they broke their covenant. (laughs) And then. And what did you do after that? Mentally, you said, never going to work with them again. Or we're going to charge them a lot more next time.
0: (laughs) Isn't that something? You see, covenant breaking
1: ruins community. Mm. And it ruins all the many ways we could be innovating together. This extends. Obviously, this extends to coming together as a community mm-hmm. to care for someone who has fallen on hard times, who's come up sick, who's lost their job. Amen? Amen, Amen guys? Anybody like listening? It. Any other ideas? Matt had an idea of um, providing housing and job support for illegal immigrants. Um, <laughs> I love it, Matt. MAGA Matt said that? I love it. Matt, look, don't try to label, don't try to label our producer. He'll surprise you. He will surprise you. (laughs) How about schools? How do you think the Christian school movement started? Like was it some bureaucrat from Washington, D.C., descended from on high and through policy and, and, um, you know, police officers established these Christian schools? No, the entire Christian school movement. There's Christian schools everywhere. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. began approximately in the late 60s and the 70s. And it was organized and mobilized and raised up by families coming together in covenant. That's how it happened. I know we could do this. Mm. I know that the church could um, put welfare out of business. Well, we're kind of... We would have to repent, and we would have to get back into work, as God has called us, and we would have to wait for God to bless our efforts. Mm -hmm. It would need a move of the Spirit of God. But let me tell you, the waters don't part until we move forward. Mm. That's always been the case. Yeah. Um, we've done it with the Christian school movement where families came together. We could do it again. But you know what Christian schools are doing now, though. Hmm. What? How, where do they get their funding now? Uh, that's true. With very few exceptions, they got their hands in the cookie jar. Hmm. That's what happens. It's what happens when you don't have a solid theology, when you don't have it, when you're not grounded in the word. You begin to to cross paths thinking that the one who holds the sword now should be the one educating and enculturating your children. No, you don't want the one with the sword to also be the one with the bottle or the Mm -hmm. bread, right? Mm -hmm. He's the minister of justice, minister of wrath. Let's let him educate our children. No, indeed. They have the money. Of course they do. They have the resources, right? They have the organizational structure, They've built interstates and and, uh, internets, and they've built all these things to continue to monopolize their power. Of course they could give money to schools faster and more efficient. Of course Mm -hmm. they could. But what happens when you stick your hands in that cookie jar and take other people's money? You become a a bond servant. You have put a crack in your very own foundation. There is a reason why Christian higher education and Christian schools, almost without any exception, move progressive over time. Hmm. Hardcore, Bible-believing, gospel-centered Christians start schools and progressive, looser, apathetic, non-church-covenanting, Christianese types of people take them over. It is almost without exception in the history of the Christian school movement. We have, we have got to found these schools, and we have to support them together as families. Mm-hmm. Because the families have stopped supporting Christian schools, Christian schools now are turning to the government for grant money, for forgivable loans, for this and that, other forms of welfare. And where do you think that's going to lead? Mm. When you become dependent and loyal and, and bear allegiance to the state, it's just a matter of time before you are accredited by them, which means you have the same credo as them, the same creed. Hmm. It's, it, that is the history of a Christian education, the history of welfare. We've got to peel that all back, rebuild a more solid foundation.
0: I'm thinking in terms of like Christian education. So you and I both used to work in Christian education. You still do. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed is that there becomes this desire, and we see this in the local church too, to, to be big like to be, be big mm. and to be successful. Amen. In yeah. order to do that that's American. Good in old our fashioned society, American. that's right. In order to do that in our society, there are certain concessions and certain things that you have to do yeah. that don't necessarily agree with the Bible. Amen. And I find it so freeing to be able to say, it's okay. We, don't, right. we don't need to worry about that. We can be a small church and still do just fine.
1: I mean, because <laughs> Pastor Stewart, the giants are big in the land. You know what I mean? They're downright yeah. scary. How in the world are we going to raise funds to establish a school? Mm. How are we going to do this and do that? And why would anyone ever want to come to us? Mm-hmm. The giants make us look like grasshoppers. Right. Meanwhile, we have the covenantal promises of God saying, go into the land, mm. take it. And, and most Christians just are like, well, if we're going to face this giant, we need big numbers. We need to be successful. We need to be huge. People going to fail.
0: our our voting block size.
1: Yeah, we have to to depend on numbers. No, the Bible is filled with stories of men who move forward in faith regardless of the numbers. Amen. Gideon told the scared people to go home. Then the rest of them, he had them drink from the water, and the ones that didn't drink the water the way God told them to, he had them go home. He said, anybody who's got a farm to tend to, got some family matters, y'all going home too. 300 went into battle. And they were fine. They didn't just go into battle. They went into battle with jars and trumpets. (laughs) (laughs) The the Lord can deliver with few or with many. That's irrelevant to him. Hmm. We have to be faithful to his word, faithful to his calling. Don't start a school don't start anything with cracks already in your foundation Hmm. stay strong stay faithful hold fast to the vision um, and and see if the lord blesses he may not bless as long as you're alive it might not be for several generations Hmm. but he's promised to be with the righteous these are part of his covenantal blessings so when when a church goes forward or a school goes forward or anything to care for the poor we have to remember it's the family's job Mm. it's individuals jobs it's the government it's not the government's job it's the church's job we have to begin with that particular foundation in place mm. what else could the poor do what detox centers oh you could have someone detox you might have to think through some of the details there oh yeah. Um, yeah you might need some administrative help with other families or with the church one of the things that's been on my
0: mind a lot lately has been like the idea of a soup kitchen I don't know why. I just can't mm. shake it here. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I'm not saying this is the next thing that we're going to try to tackle. Sure, but just something. It seems like it would be an around. easy way to interact with the poor, face to face, to get to know them, to get to know like we're talking about before their actual mm. needs <coughs> and how to you know hopefully over time start to kind of supplement and meet some of those
1: needs. Yeah, it, it just it would have to be done so that it didn't just continue to disconnect provision from work. That's the hardest thing. Humanistic philosophies of welfare detach the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but a biblical concept of welfare has to connect work with food. Mm. It has to. There's ways to do it, no doubt. There's mm. ways to do it. You know, one of the things on my heart would be to help felons find decent employment. Mm. You get branded with that Scarlet F. Oh and yeah. you're done. Let you me, can't find a job doing anything. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story about this. So we just... The new house that we
0: purchased has a pool. Terrifying. Yeah. It was <laughs> left uncovered for five years. Don't call it a pool. Call it a sludge pit, because that's what it was. It had five years of turtle feces and leaves Delicious. on the yes. bottom of it. Like It was disgusting. And we had to get it cleaned out. And so there was a guy... That um, was at one of the local missions, uh, local, the refinery, which we have you know a longstanding relationship mm-hmm. with. Their director comes to church with us. And I called the refinery, and I said, hey, look, I, I need somebody who can clean out a pool. Um, please help me, because this is terrifying. Yeah. And they hooked me up with a guy. His name was Michael. And let me tell you, he rocked it. Like he he was more committed to the job of getting the thing cleaned out than I was, and he crushed it. And hmm. dude has been dude's a felon. He's he's gone to jail a handful of times, but he's yeah. hard working and ready to get at it. And he kept making the comment to me. And so I've been also thinking about him a lot lately too. Hmm. He kept making the comment to me like, if you have another job, let me know. Let me know. Like it's hard to find a job. He's ready. He's ready to
1: get to Amen. work. That's awesome. Now look, guys, and he worked great. He we're did not a. Great a job. That's awesome. Look, listeners, viewers, whatnot. We're not saying there aren't good people that work for the civil authorities in the area of quote welfare. Sure, we're not saying that. Obadiah, one of my heroes, worked in the in the very court of Ahab and Jezebel. You know, working undercover, right? Saving the prophets of God, stashing away them prophets. We don't want to see. We don't want to say to someone who is employed by the civil authorities in various social services and welfare Maybe that, the that they're system. doing or in the public school. We're not mm-hmm. saying that they're doing something wrong themselves. We're talking about the system of it. Yeah, they need right. to remember they're missionaries. Right. They're working within the system um, to try and perhaps reform it or you might think of it this way, they're playing defense. Mm. You know, and we need people to play defense, but we also need people to play offense.
0: That's right.
1: We need people to create an alternative. And that's always been the way the Lord has wired me. Mm. Um, We have to not only prophetically speak about the state being involved in things they shouldn't and destroying the poor, Mm -hmm. um, but we have to provide a godly alternative. Create the alternative. I mean, what good to our neighbors are we if all we do is complain? Mm. Right? We have to be salt and light. Absolutely. Pastor
0: Joe makes the comment, Pastor Joe Garner, he says, We need more Christian entrepreneurs to create businesses of various sorts. To provide job opportunities for those in need of a vocation, or Amen. maybe even uh, to add to what he's saying, just the training for a vocation. Amen. Like we've lost the ability to to apprentice for a job too. You, everybody feels like they need to become in, in, mm-hmm. indebted to
1: the state before they can even start
0: their career. That's path. right.
1: It's hard to to have an apprentice program. Okay. As soon as you allow someone to apprentice, you pour all your time, all your money into them, you care for them for many years, and then what happens? They become your competition. <laughs> right? We have to be able to have contracts and covenants mm-hmm. with apprentice, uh, apprenticeships right. in order that we can facilitate it, we can trust each other and do it well. Right. And, but that could be worked out. That really could be worked out, right? I mean, Paul says to the church, he says, "Let the thief no longer steal." Right? Think about this. I, I, was, I spoke about this in my sermon, but just think about this. He's talking to a church in Ephesus under the boot of Rome. There, a lot of them are slaves and bond servants, and he's saying, "Hey, let the thief no longer steal." What do you think they were stealing for? These these were not people stealing like you know uh, indulgent. Uh, greedy, uh, lustful people that just really wanted their neighbor's Cadillac. Right. You know, these weren't people, you know, mugging people for their tennis shoes. These were people in church, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, hey, let's not, we don't need to steal our bread. But then what does he say? He says, let them work. Mm. Now, can you imagine if we stood up in front of a room of slaves, bond servants, poor, oppressed people under the boot of tyranny, and we were like, hey, stop stealing, get a job. <laughs> you know, that's like so cliche. Right. It sounds so insensitive. Mm. Oh, you're naked. Well, put some clothes on. I don't have any. Come on now, put some clothes on. <laughs> Get it right. together. Oh, you're hungry. Well, why don't you eat cake? Right? We would never do that. The Apostle Paul would never do that. Mm. What he's saying is to the church hey, thieves no longer steal, but he's saying let them work. Let them. He's not even talking to thieves at that point.
0: He's, he's saying to the other people let them Dang. work.
1: I mean, you see the point there. Yeah. Create some margins like uh, like Boaz did for Ruth.
0: Hmm.
1: Boaz didn't give Ruth a handout. As noble as that might have seemed for a grown, wealthy man to just give free things Mm -hmm. to a poor, uh, widowed young lady, Mm -hmm. he didn't even do that. He provided a a margin in his fields so that she could go and participate in the harvest as well. Hmm. She maintained her dignity and her freedom, should he have begun giving her free things, what happens? She becomes dependent and loyal to him. Mm. He puts her in a little project house. He demands her total political loyalty. He does all of these things because she keeps getting the free stuff. He makes a slave out of her. Mm. No, no. What does he do? He gives her land. He enables her, empowers her, gives her property to work. And he, what does he do as a minister of justice? He says, don't touch her. Leave her alone. Mm-hmm. You mess with her, you're messing with me. You see the yeah, difference is yeah. biblical welfare. Right. And, and when they finally do get married, she says, I found my rest. The two become one, a poor person and a rich person together in one covenant. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a beautiful picture, beautiful picture of the gospel, mm-hmm. of how God empowers us, enables us, gives us a dominion and says, work. If you work, I'll bring in the harvest. Mm-hmm. You bring in the sheaves. I mean... What we want is for poor people to be able to participate in the harvest of this world, mm-hmm. to exercise the dominion mandate themselves, to have property, to increase it, to bring in a profit. You know, God gives to some one, to others five, and to others ten. Everyone has a right to participate in that. Mm. Everyone has a right to participate in the covenantal responsibility of generosity and to receive the blessings. Poor people deserve the right so that they might receive the blessings and their children and their legacy will be changed forever. Mm. When we do charity at the point of a sword and hand it out without any scriptural wisdom in place, we rob people of their dignity and their humanity. Mm. We have to, for the sake of justice, Matt, for the sake of social justice, we have got to get the government out of welfare. Mm. and, And we have to provide an alternative with families and the church. That's what this series is all about. Boy, it's a big. What would you say? A big fish to fry. A big. Yeah, that's a road hoe, alligator to a skin. Big alligator to skin. <laughs> but it's man, actually very this difficult. is the this is it. You know, maybe like four generations down the road, someone will listen to this and they'll be like, "Hey, we have the budget. Mm. We have the resources. We're a big giant uh, mega church filled with rich people. Let's do this. Let's do it." Yeah. Like, man, there are churches in Acadiana bigger than some towns in Acadiana. Okay? Yeah,
0: no doubt. No God doubt.
1: says, go forth, take the land, exercise dominion. Yes, there's giants, but the giants are grasshoppers in comparison to God's covenantal blessings. If we would repent and take up this sword, if we would repent and take on our mission, God would come and meet us. Hmm. We'd see revival in the land. All right, I'm done. That's it. I like it. I like it. I'm in, man. This is super cool. Amen. I'm excited Priesthood for this Priesthood of series. all believers.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, guys,
1: oh, wait, no, wait. wait. We forgot to talk to the young men. To the young men. Young men.
0: What are we saying to them? Well, they entrepreneurs, They're, they're over there.
1: Talking to Matt, talking to young men. You know, you don't find your vocation until a little later in life. You kind yeah. of look over your shoulder and you're like, oh, that's <laughs> no, what God's called me to No joke. <laughs> <laughs> but You're in your 20s. You don't know what you're supposed to do. That's right. So what you do is you end up looking at all the grown folk around you. Not many of them are engaged in ministry to the poor. It's mm-hmm. just not a church thing. Not so much. We put we give that to parachurch or, or you know, state ministries, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of older, successful, you know, vision-casting dudes that young men want to be like who are like, you know what? We're the church. We're the church triumphant. We care for the poor. Not a lot of that going on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Would young men consider their calling in this? They're entrepreneurial. That's the new cool buzzword, right? All the trendy podcasts are talking about it, right, really? Matt? Yeah. It's what does it mean? It well, means you're really good at ideas. You're really good at not down a job. You don't. You don't work. <laughs> you don't hold down a steady job. You, you're an idea you're, guy. You're, you're an, an entrepreneur. Idea
0: I don't really do stuff. I don't really do. I, things. I come up with the ideas. <laughs> Somebody else does it, a zero to 40%. Yes, that's what they say. I've heard that.
1: I'm more like a zero to 40% guy. That's interesting. You don't get to be that until you're like 40. <laughs> <laughs> and even then. So, yeah, that's great. How about some of that entrepreneurship be used in this area? Hmm. Let's have some innovation. Let's have some creativity. It would be very hard for an an older man who's spent his entire life in one particular field to figure out all the inner workings of let's say immigration mm-hmm. and how to best help illegal immigrants or immigrants it would that that you need the energy you need the zeal of a 20 something to say i'm going for this i'm going to figure this bad boy out i'm going to i'm going to make a way i'm going to use my entrepreneurial gifts to do this and i'm going to rally the troops mm. You, there's there is a way to have a little to have a little salary in that mm-hmm. it, there's a way to find a place to provide for a family and still be able to mobilize all of that and to do it well and to do it right mm-hmm. I mean there's just not enough young men inspired to engage in this mission. I hope with this sermon series and these talks maybe some of them will think well maybe maybe I could do this mm-hmm. not the way it's been being done and been done but in new innovative Church solidly integrated with the church, biblical foundation, um, godly sort of a way. Amen. That's my last thing. Amen.
0: I love it. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank you all so much for joining with us again on this week's episode of Household and Homestead. If you're looking for where to find more episodes like this, you can go to wearechristchurch.com slash media, check out our podcast feed. You can also go to sermonaudio.com and search We Are Christ Church to find all of our sermons and resources and talks and podcasts and all kinds of cool stuff. We'll have several more things coming out later on this month, or actually during the month of June, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. New progress, constantly building this new platform we're working on. and you can also find um, over at wearechristchurch.com uh, slash give an opportunity to support um, podcasting and things like this. Hopefully these resources have been helpful to you. Um, if they have, you can drop us a comment or you can send me an email at stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at wearechristchurch.com and send your questions there as well. Thank you guys so much for joining Thank with you. us.
1: And we will holla at you again next time. Amen.